I've been dying to put you together with Kate Anthony. You're going to love her. Go check her out at the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, which you'll find on every listening platform. But don't do that yet, because you're both right here in the same room, so stick around. Hi there, I'm Tracy, and this is the Essential Stepmom Podcast, your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet. Nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step-parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe. And you can get more of me at EssentialStepMom.com. I'm not going to say too much by way of introduction, but you need to know that Kate Anthony is the host of the critically acclaimed and New York Times recommended podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast. So apparently I'm not the only person who thinks she's the bomb. Kate is also the creator of the groundbreaking online coaching program, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, which helps women make the most difficult decision of their lives using coaching tools, relationship education, geeky neuroscience, community support, and deep self-work. I'll say more about her fantastic work at the end of this episode, but in her regular person life, she lives in Los Angeles with her teenage son, whom she lovingly co-parents with her ex-husband, their two dogs, and a handful of fish. Here we go. Kate, thank you so much for being here. Uh, This is a thrill for me. Thank you so much for having me. I love it. We got to talk like, uh, we just talked for my podcast last week, right? Was it last week? Yeah, two weeks ago, whatever. Yeah, not long ago. (laughs) Not long ago. I really discovered your podcast not too long ago, and I just loved it. I just binge listened episodes. It's so great. And Thank you. I I think that everybody should listen, and it doesn't matter if you're not divorced, because like my my listening audience are women who are like partnered with somebody who was divorced and you need to have a perspective on what that could be like for the other person so that you can understand them better and be a better support and partner and get what you need from them. That's a great point. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people also say to me, I wish I found your podcast, you know, before because it would have helped me to have a healthier marriage. <laughs> so it seems to be yeah. a win-win, right? Yeah, so. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, just this morning, I listened to your fairly recent episode called Dating After Divorce. Yeah. Uh, with Bella Gandhi. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it reminded me of what, you know, my dating experience after divorce that was, um, kind of similar to Mm -hmm. what you described, like, you know, full of, uh, full of all of my neediness and, Mm -hmm. um, wanting to, yeah, wanting to heal my wounds with another relationship to be validated by somebody who was not my ex-husband who thought that I was worthwhile. And Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, and good enough. And of course it didn't work out, duh. Right. Well, and I would say what didn't work out, right? Because to be honest, right, I think that, that experience was truly one of the more healing experiences for me, right? I actually think when I first got out, my mindset was, I'm off to find a new husband, (laughs) basically, right? And what I just, you know, in hindsight, in retrospect, what I can see is that what I got was exactly what I needed, which was the experience of being, you know, uh, the experience of being with people who thought I was beautiful and sexy, which is exactly what I needed after my marriage because Mm -hmm. I'd been told for so many years that I wasn't. I was told that I, in my marriage, that I was not a sexual being. Mm, (laughs) And it turns out I am a totally sexual being. (laughs) Um, I just wasn't, you know, didn't feel safe sexually with my husband, right? Um, (laughs) Or emotionally or anything else, right? So I actually, that experience of early dating, while I may not have gotten a new husband or, you know, all sorts of other things, I got a lot of great validation and I learned so much Mm -hmm. about myself. I think dating is a brilliant way to learn about yourself. And, um, you know, I think it's healthier when you're, when you first get divorced to go into it with that mindset. Like I'm here to play. I'm here to like learn about myself and learn about other people doing it with integrity. Um, but yeah, I think it's great you're getting to know someone on an intimate level so that any, anything that comes up in a relation in the relationship sphere, you can then, you actually have a, have a foundation of communication to be able to work through it and talk, talk about it. Right. Even even sex. Yeah. You know, good sex is about good communication. Of course. Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, there's some technique involved too, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to be able to talk about it. Oh yeah. 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 And I think with, with COVID it's really interesting because as, as we talked about in my podcast episode with Bella, we're putting, um, we're putting getting to know someone intimately um, first, right? That's because what we a concept. Just, what a really, what a concept. I mean, really for, for, for this day and age, that is a concept. Yeah. Yeah. Say something about, about um, y- you spoke in your podcast about the work that you have to do to like figure out your patterns yeah, and get past yeah. them. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's really easy to get divorced and be like, you know, it was his, he was the problem or she was the problem or, you know, um, let me get someone d- better or different. Um, and then, you know, everything will be fine. <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, in the U S at least, and I don't, I don't know about, um, anywhere else, but I'm, I assume it's quite similar. Um, you know, in the U S the divorce, the divorce rate for first marriages is around 50%, although it's yeah. falling, but, um, and the, but the divorce rate for second marriages is around 68%. That's right. And for third marriages, it's like 74%. So, you know, it's obviously, well, not obviously, but you can look at that data and realize that it's not the other, not always the other person because wherever you go, there you are. And when we bring our, 
you know, trauma and our, you know, it's, it's my attachment style. It's my love language. It's my relationship trauma. It's my childhood wounding. It's all of that stuff. And if, if I just blithely say that it's the other person, even if, by the way, it really was right. Like, I mean, I was in an emotionally abusive marriage. You know, there's a lot, you know, he was a serial cheater. There's a lot to that. That's his fault. Yeah. <laughs> right. But who am I and what is my relationship history that I ended up choosing a man that truly, I, I had all of the signs very early on. Yes. And I still chose to stay in that relationship and I still chose to marry him. And so, so what is the work that I have to do to heal those wounds so that I don't make those choices? Cause it's my picker, right? Yeah, my picker it. is my picker. And, um, you know, that's the bottom line. It's, it's not, it's not all the guys out there. It's the ones that I'm picking. Yeah. And what I want people to hear in this, because clearly the women who are listening to this podcast today are not on the hunt for another partner, presumably, mm -hmm. but you have to think about your partner who is the divorced person mm -hmm. and all of their attachment style and childhood wounds and relationship trauma and all of that stuff um, may be a really big factor in your relationship with them. It, it mm -hmm. has to be. Well, but it's also, it's also ours. Like whether you've been married before or not, whether yeah. you're a step parent, what you're, you're, if you're a human in relationship, you've presumably been in other relationships. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you've presumably, you know, this is all of our work to do. Yeah. This isn't yeah. just the divorced person or like yeah. having compassion for the divorced person. Yeah. Like, like we've all, this is all of our work. You bet. You bet. My picker definitely was seeing the very great involved dad that my husband was. And I'm a, you know, I'm a mother and I could relate to what a great dad I could see him being to his kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, definitely that was part of what lit up my, my picker, my relationship picker for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very, I mean, there's very, I think there's, nothing sexier, especially for a divorced mom, than yeah. a man who's a really good dad. Yeah. Well, right, like, that's hot. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, super, super hot. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if your thing is that, you know, what you love about your partner is, uh, you know, how attentive he is to you, it could be really hard for you to cope when the the kid thing starts to become more and more um, more and more important in his life. Like if that if the parenting piece wasn't part of your really a big part of your courtship and your early relationship, it could be hard to to change your expectations or to change what you see yes. in your partner that you love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I, I don't, I, I don't know. Did we talk about this on mine? I'm not quite sure about like, you know, when to introduce, um, your kid, yeah. you know, your par new partner to your kids. And, you know, I've had, I remember, I don't know if I told you this story before, but I had this, um, I was dating a guy for, uh, we, we'd been dating for about seven months and it was very mm -hmm. serious. Mm -hmm 
but we got, it got to a point where like, he, you know, he had very separate, like, you know, separate lives. It was like his life with me and his life with his kids, which was appropriate. But when we started talking about next steps and stuff, we kept butting up against this. I didn't know. And, you know, at the end of the day, I said to him, I don't know you fully if I don't know you as a dad. Yeah. And, um, you know, you don't know me. You cannot make choices about our future if you don't know who I am and how I am with your kids and what that relationship dynamic is going to be like. And he said, oh, my God, but the therapist said that I shouldn't introduce a new person to my kids until we were engaged. And I said, are, are, are you kidding oh, me? Wow. I said, would you, yeah, this is, and this is very common. Oh, uh, I can't advice. stand hearing that. Right, Aww. it's like, and I, and I looked him dead in the eye and I said, would you ever propose to me if you didn't know how I was with your children? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So if we're going, if our relationship, like we had gotten, I think we had hit up against as far as we were gonna go, without taking that next step. Right. And we actually broke up because I was like, you know, he wasn't willing or able or whatever. And I was like, I can't, we can't keep going. And eventually he came back and he was like, this is ridiculous. He's like, what do we have to do to me? And I was like, I got to meet your kids. Yeah. He was like, okay. And so, you know, I did. And that was revealing and the relationship did not <laughs> ask for a number of reasons. Um, but for me, that was actually part of it. But, you know, it's, 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 yeah, you, you have to be able to see, I, I literally don't know who you are if I don't know who you are as a parent, right? I, if you don't yeah. know me as a mother, you don't know me, yeah. right? If you don't know my kid, you don't know me. You cannot choose me if you're not, cause you're choosing my kid. Yeah. You know, my son is 15 but you're still choosing him. I'm sorry. <laughs> like he's my life and, um, or a huge part of it. Right. So yeah, it's, yeah. Can you believe that advice? I, it, it just blows me away. The, yeah. the, the terrible advice. You just wouldn't believe some of the things that I've heard from clients that a, they got from a therapist or a counselor. I have a or client. I have a client whose ex-husband got remarried and didn't introduce their child, who I think was three at the time, to the new woman until the wedding day. And okay, it was how like- How is this possible? So this child, right, is having, has no, the other, the other reason that you do this, right, it's not just about you choosing me and me choosing you, right? Yeah. It's also the, like, you have a long time to get used to and integrate someone yeah. into your life, right? And your children get that too. If you just drop a step parent into their lap, the kid- Oh, it's like a have, bad movie. Right? Totally. The kid has zero time to be able to integrate this new person or like the idea of this new person. It's like, here's your stepmom. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Awful. Awful. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, I heard a story that, well, it was, I was interviewing someone else on this podcast and the, uh, the stepmom talked about her own childhood of having both of her parents remarried several times. And at one point she was really close with the stepmom and she was feeling like, wow, this is really great. You know, this feels like another family. And I'm, you know, I just feel so good with this woman and, you know, she's so nice to me, whatever. And then bath, like dad takes her and her brother out one day and said, well, I have some bad news, you know, 
Susie, whatever the lady's name was, you know, she and I are not together anymore. But here's your new stepmom. Like in the same instant that he told them that he was had broken up with a stepmother that they liked, he was introducing the new lady like, holy cow. Which... I mean, it's only indicative of, of how replaceable he viewed them, right? Yeah. That like, yeah. he, it's, it's not a human, it's a role that he was just interchanging for himself. And so it should be fine for the kids too, right? Well, and I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of divorced people, and it can be moms or dads, have this feeling that when <laughs> they get a new partner, um, the family is going to sort of get up and running again and feel more or less like the old family, but with a new woman in the role of mom and wife. And that's not how this works. <laughs> doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And, no. um, uh, you know, you can almost guarantee when you hear a story like that about introducing the new stepmom, at, you know, when yeah. they get engaged or at the wedding or whatever, you can guarantee that it's not going to go well because they have an absolutely wrong idea of the, the dynamic in the step family. Absolutely. Like absolutely. anything that could make it sustainable or workable. Those people are going over the 74% or the 68% gutter, totally. you know? Yep. 100%, They're not going to make 100%. it. As a bio mom, which you are, mm-hmm. which I am, mm-hmm. um, there's, a, there's a dynamic energy, there's a family dynamic, there's a relationship dynamic around how is this going to go when my ex gets a new partner? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I call this the shifting of primary. I don't, well, you know, I just sort of made that up, but I mean, it really is, you know, you're the primary person in each other's lives for so long, you know, and um, even after divorce, we were still each other's emergency contacts and like all of this stuff. Right. And then you know, as both of us were dating various people, but especially him, because he, he, well, he's remarried and I'm not, but, um, you know, I, I still held this position that was a very ego driven position of first wife, right. Mm. That like all of his girlfriends, I mean, because we were so close and we still did holidays together and all this stuff, like his girlfriends were sort of welcomed into essentially my fold right? And I would host Thanksgiving and, and they would come. And, and, and for the most part, um, you know, for in a certainly with one, like one major relationship that he had before his, he got remarried, you know, that worked well. Like she was very sweet. Like I adored her. Like it was, you know, it was actually somewhat genuine. I mean, it was yeah. genuine, but yeah. I was still, I was still pissing on my territory. Yeah. That I didn't want to marry, I didn't want to be married to him, but I was still first wife. (laughs) And there was a part of me that didn't really want anyone to forget that. And, um, for a while that worked until he got, you know, into the relationship with his current wife and she was having none of it. Mm -hmm. Um, to her credit, she was just like, uh, no. (laughs) And I realized that, you know, the first time I saw his phone and it had her as his emergency contact and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and I was so, my ego was like, and I've been divorced for like a good five years at this point. 
and we had been through a lot. I will say that we had been through a lot of, of you know, really traumatic personal stuff over the, you know, over the, those few years that had to do with parenting and all sorts of stuff. And we were really tight, he and I, um, at this point. Um, but, you know, I had to kind of look at myself and, and look at my behaviors and realize that, you know, I was continuing to try to occupy a role or I was trying to continue to occupy a role that I didn't belong in anymore and that I really needed to step aside. I needed to make space um, for her to be the primary person in his life. Um, and it was, it was an ego blow and it was a really difficult, and, and by the way, it was messy and there were, you know, it was, <laughs> it was not cute. Yeah. You know, there were, there were lots of blow, family blow ups and all sorts of shit. But, you know, at the end of the day, what ended up, what had to happen was that I had to give up my position and I had to let her have her position that she right, should rightfully, you know, assume um, that it wasn't my role anymore. It was just not my role anymore. And, um, you know, I also remember, I also was in that position. I remember I was, um, I was dating a guy and he'd been divorced for two years, but his, he and his wife, similar to us, was, were still very close. And she was always his first call whenever anything happened. And he was her first call, right? And she had another relationship. She was, she, they were both in, other serious relationships, but they were both still each other's first call and they were each other, still each other's person. And eventually I had, I sat him down and I said, listen, like he was telling me this whole story and she called him and she's dealing with this and he, and he's dealing with this and they're talking about it. And I said, so I just want to say that, um, first of all, why didn't she call her boyfriend? Like, why did she call you? And why did you call her? Because I kind of feel like that would be something that you would call me for, right? And he was like, oh, and it, you know, to his credit, he heard me and he was like, you're right. You're right. And it, and I think it's, it's just habit, right? Yeah. You're, you're the person. You've been the person for 10, 20 years. Like you're going to be the person. And, you know, I think part of the grieving process, you know, people say to me all the time, like, I don't want to be married to him. Why do I have all these feelings? I'm like, first of all, some of it's habit, you yeah. know, and some of it is there's, there's a grieving process to, yeah. to go through that is incremental based on like how much detachment you actually have. And that detachment happens, I think in stages and yes, phases. it does. That's and, so important to know. Right. And each sort of snip of the cord, it's like, you've got, you've got a million threads connecting you. Right. And some of them are going to stay connected, like your kids, but like being the first call when you go to the hospital or like all of these things, there's certain things that, and each time you snip a thread, there is a grief, there's a grieving process to go through. Right. And I remember with this, you know, this one boyfriend, like it, it was, it was great because he actually went to his ex-wife and was like, Hey, I think we need to rearrange stuff because and I'm sure your boyfriend's feeling the same. And she was like, it's so funny because he said the same thing to me. That's and so, so they, you know, yeah, to their credit, like, you know, we all were like, okay, great. And we all, sh- it, it all shifted, um, you know, and that relationship didn't work out for other reasons, but that was a really big sort of turning point um, for, I think, 
for us and you know um but yeah it's you know and here's the thing i just want to say that for for bio moms who have a new person coming in right i get a lot a lot of women being like and that bitch bought my kid yeah. you know birthday yeah. presents and yeah. i'm like good yeah <laughs> Like more people to love your kid, the better. Yeah. And all of the resistance is about ego and is about placement and about who's primary. And, you know, as a bio mom, you'll always be primary in your child's right. life. Even if, you know, even if you are the worst mother on the planet, yeah. you still are always going to be primary. And, you know, so if there's a, if you're a great mom, like, of course the bio mom will be primary. A step mom is, is my, my friend, a friend of mine, um, my friend Katie calls herself rather than a step mom, she calls herself a bonus mom because like they have a mom, but she's just a bonus. <laughs> right. And if you look at it that way, it's not a replacement. It's not a competition. This is like, Oh goody, more people to love my kid. Yeah. No, I think there's a, there's a huge piece of this that um, kind of goes unsaid, but for a lot of women, uh, there's a tremendous insecurity around motherhood. Isn't that it's just sad? tremendous? I mean, I know when I was a mother, God, I was looking out at all the other mothers going, can anybody see that I don't do what she's doing? Like, oh my God, like I, I need to do, oh, yeah. we you know, all I need wrong. to learn to do that. Like I'm not doing, you know, and you, we learn from each other, but it's, I don't know, maybe it's just a societal thing to, you know, we find ways to hook our insecurity onto different things. But I think that all biological mothers are insecure on some level about their motherhood, you know? And yes. oh, well, and also society, you know, we live in a society that, that, this constantly showing us why we're failures is why we're, you know? why we're not meeting the mark or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, for sure, I'm aware that there are things that I am not giving my daughter that she needs mm -hmm. and right. I can't seem to find a way to do it. And boy, it would hurt big time for me to see, even as my daughter's a grown adult now, but you know, to see her having a connection with, with another woman and getting what she didn't get from me, like, ouch, that would hurt, right? Yes. And that's what's hard, I think, for bio moms, you know, and I think that, you know, it, this is another reason why we have to do this work. We have to do work on ourselves to process this stuff because, you know, here's the thing, it would have been really easy for me to be like, you know, to disparage my ex's uh, new wife and the way that she was, quote, you know, like egging me out or whatever yeah, yeah. like that. But it took something for me to be like, oh, wow, this is my ego. This mm. is all about my ego. Um, and, you know, it's not pretty when you have to look at yourself in that light and realize that actually you're the problem in the situation. But it gives you all the power and control over your own life to, you know, be able to say like, oh, I see, I'm the problem here. Or where am I the problem? What is my responsibility? Or maybe not, pro maybe problem is a, is a bad way of looking at it. But that, you know, where can I be responsible for myself and my own growth and my own healing in order to shift this experience, right? And it's, again, it's not, it's not pretty to be like, oh, this is all about my ego. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, ah, totally. that's gross. Um, and most of us go through life trying really hard to avoid uh, you know, thinking about that. And looking at that about, stuff, absolutely. Right. But that's why like, I'm 
Mm-hmm. That's what I'm what I was getting at when I talked about how new an experience this is for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the human being mm-hmm. that that we are being pushed fast to evolve. Yep. As 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 people on a very deep level. Like this is some this is some like major human growth shit we're having yeah. to do because it doesn't work otherwise. You fall over the cliff of the 65 percenters or the 74 percenters. Like you have to do this inner work or your yep. marriage, your relationship is not going to be on the, on the winning side. Yep. Like everybody is getting swept over the falls in this. Like if you don't change, you're not going to make it. And right. so I, like my relationship has been the most important spark for personal development that I've ever experienced because it's so important to me because I have to, I have to do it. Yeah. And I mean, I also have to do it because it's, you know, it, it, it's so painful. Otherwise, I mean, everything that you're going to bump up against all the, all your buttons are getting, getting pushed. I mean, that's why we come together in family units, right? Everybody's pushing each other's buttons and, and it's, it's pushing you to grow in such a dramatic way. Uh, but I really see this, you know, in a bigger picture as a moment of just like uh, remarkable, epic evolution for women, yeah. for men too, you know. But I mean, I, I think the the I think the woman's um, development here is much deeper because it's so much about our maternal instinct. That's yeah. so getting fired up. And you don't see a lot of groups for stepdads and, you know. The stepdad vibe is totally different. Totally different, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, there was a a beautiful commercial that was made by Budweiser, the beer company, Mm -hmm. two or three years ago, where uh, it was for, it was for Father's Day or Super Bowl or something. It was a big, long, like a long, long commercial, three, four minutes. And it featured three stepdads. And they're now adult children being Mm. interviewed Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. what the stepdad had brought to their life. And it concluded with each of these adult stepchildren presenting their stepdad with adoption papers and asking to be formally adopted. Total tearjerker, like, like Mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Would there ever be that kind of um, emotional hook around adult children asking their stepmom to adopt them? Well, you know, so I think it's interesting, right? Because in all of those cases, right, you, there's an there is clearly an absent father. We think there's and clearly an absent. Yes, in those particular cases, there in is. In those particular cases, but that's the archetype. Well, right, because there's more. I think there's there statistically speaking, there are far more absent fathers than absent mothers, right? So, like, we, you know, I think it's far less likely that there's going to be. The opportunity to be adopted by another mom, right? Yeah. Uh, which says something in and of itself. But the question, if you were to watch a commercial like that, of mm-hmm. like grown-up people going to their stepmom and saying, "Would you?" You would be asking yourself, "Where's the mom?" Like, right. Like, what's the story here, right? And right. with the dads, you can say, "Well, what a great thing that this man stepped in to raise the children." Um, of some deadbeat dad, dad, right? That's the archetype. And I can tell you in my audience of, you know, there's about a thousand women in my Facebook group. Um, There are lots and lots of them who have absent moms and they have the kids full time and Uh the mom is not a part of the kid's life. Maybe she shows up once or twice a year. Um, 
yes or no, yeah. maybe she's supposed to come and doesn't like the, the, the deadbeat mom is a yeah. very, very present phenomenon in my community. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a totally different vibe. And that's why I don't, I don't talk about it. Cause I also don't, I mean, my husband is a stepfather to my daughter, but he's never been a, um, Oh, like she moved off to college when she was 17 and yeah. she hasn't lived under the same roof with us, with him, you know, sort of fulfilling mm -hmm. a, a parental role. He certainly does lots of things to take care of her. We've, we've moved her six times and painted all those apartments and, you know, he's a great stepdad. Um, but it, it's, it's a different vibe. It's a very different yeah. vibe. And yeah. it, it's the maternal instinct piece. I think that I think you're where right. we're, where we're, we're being hooked in something really primal in ourselves yep. to, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. change on that level for a woman to have to share her child in some way with another woman. Holy shit. Like, and, and for a woman to take on a maternal role, that's not actually maternal is like, holy shit. Right. I think for both, right. Well, like I'm sharing my kid. That is, that is a primal, like mama bear going to kill anyone yeah. coming into my cubs. Yeah. And also to like have to take one on without like being the mother. Being a step parent is something that you learn how to do and practice and get better at it. Like anything else mm -hmm. in life, mm -hmm. uh, nobody pops out of the womb knowing how to do this. No, so true. Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, this has been such a pleasure. Yeah. I, thank you so much for doing this and you have a, amazing perspective and thank you for being so open yeah thank you for having That's me special yeah, so you. tell people how to find you um you can find me on my website kateanthony.com uh you can find my podcast the divorce survival guide podcast on all podcasting platforms and it's awesome and everybody should go there and listen i love it thank you and also on instagram at the divorce survival guide great yeah. well thanks again very much and um, we'll you, catch Trish. up again. We'll chat again. Yes, of course we will. <laughs> Such a pleasure.